Der Fußball ist zurück in der zweiten Liga. Rechte Neckfahne mit dem linken Fuß. Bringt den Ball auf den zweiten Pfosten. Tische! Tor! 1 zu 0 für den VfL Bochum. Da draußen ist der Ball frei. Und jetzt ist er drin. Jetzt ist er drin. Und die Spotzen macht das Tor. Und er ist drin. Buchmann, Buchmann, Buchmann macht das zweite Tor. Da ist das Tor. Der zählt das 2 zu 2. Drist ist wieder da. Größer ist da. Für Rausch, der setzt an zur Flanke, da kommt der Ball, Tor, 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 Hello and welcome to the Schweizer Bundesliga podcast with me, Matthew Karagic. And on today's episode, we will be looking back at all things match day 17, as well as previewing all the action for the final match day of the calendar year. Joining me on today's program is once again our lovely Bielefeld fan who is celebrating their team's first win in some time. Eva, welcome. How are you doing? Very, very good. Thank you. That is great to hear. And on the other side of the ledger, coming from Furt, of course, a fan of Greuther Furt, it is Danny. Danny, how are you this morning? Surprisingly good. Thank you. That is great to hear. First, we're going to jump into our weekly poll. It's the final match day until the winter break, and we have one question on our mind. We want to know who has been the best player in the Schweizer Bundesliga for the first half of the season. Our choices were Simon Terroda, Philip Clement of Paderborn, and Mark Schnatterer, as well as other. And a resounding 58% of the poll believe that the goal-scoring maestro Simon Terroda was the best of the bunch, with 58%. 13% were for Philip Clement, 8% went for Mark Schnatter. I'm going to start with you, Eva. Do you agree with Simon Terodde or is there another player you have in mind? Yeah, I think Terodde is... You can't really argue with that. He He's a very, very good player. You can't, like, you can't argue with uh, those many goals. Uh, I actually do believe that Johnny, like, texted a lot of people to, to say, okay, do this call. <laughs> Vote for Terodde. <laughs> um, but yeah, but um, although Clement and Schnatter or even like Müller Daly, all those, uh, they, they play a very decent season as well, uh, especially, especially Schnatter um, as always. But yeah, Terodde is, is just an amazing football player, amazing striker. Danny, would you agree with Eva? Uh, of course, I mean like, you know, I don't like Holm that much, but you have to pay credit to them and especially to Terodde. Um, you, I mean like, just watch the game against Magdeburg. It's the at a time, the game is already won, and he uh, has this desperate need and want for scoring this last goal, and he risks getting injured on scoring a tap in, and I think. You can't argue with a player showing that uh, that that mentality to score goals and the, the quality and I'm like he's really too good for the league and except for him if you just would ignore him I would of course say uh, Schnatterer because again he's doing some magic things only he can do. Yeah. He's a special player. They both are, in fact, and that's why they are Schweizer Bundesliga royalty. We did have some other suggestions in the comment section of the poll. Uh, Tommy Vyland of Borkham, uh, Douglas Santos and Oral Mangler of Haas Val, 
Mads Molodaly of St. Pauli and Louis Schaub of Cone. I'm going to join the consensus here and go with Simon Terodde. He's averaging a goal every 63 minutes in the Schweizer Bundesliga. He has 21 goals and two assists, and that is an incredible record nonetheless. Uh, we go to our goals of the week poll, and we gave you three choices from the 26 goals scored. Philip Forster's goal for Sandhausen against Jan Regensburg. Pascal Testrot's first goal for Erzgebirge Auer versus Darmstadt. And Aaron Hunt's free kick against Duisburg. And that was the resounding winner. With 75% of the poll claiming Aaron Hunt's free kick was the creme de la creme. Uh, Danny, I'm going to start with you. Would you agree that Hunt's goal was the pick of the bunch? Or is there a different goal that you think was the best of the pack? Uh, I'm like, it was a incredibly good shot uh, free kick uh, he was really doing well the technique was right it was a great distance and the keeper was not doing any mistakes it was just a perfect free kick and it was a really yeah. exceptional goal but I think the other goals are really really good on an uh, on another side and uh, I really like goals where the players run for across the uh, field so I'm tied up between uh, Paco Testrode and Aaron Hunt. Uh, Eva, uh, do you have a goal in mind, or do you think uh, the uh, the pole winner was the best choice? Yeah, it was an amazing goal, as you, as you said, but I also um, think that the first goal was quite quite good. It was a, a good distance shot as well, um, and yeah, but. The, the free kick was, was really, really amazing. But I, it was a really hard decision for me to, to choose one of the three goals. Yeah, Hunt's goal was different class, and he almost did it again later on in that game. For me, it's, it's Testrot's goal. Uh, you know, it came off a Darmstadt miss, which hit the post, and then uh, Dennis Kemper ran up to halfway with possession. A couple of passes through Fanswick and Holscheid, and then and Testrot still had plenty to do, and he did it did quite well with a quality finish against a very class goalkeeper in Daniel Hoyer-Fernandez. That's the end for our polls this week. Do join us. We're going to start the Match Day 17 review with Union Berlin and Bochum. Zu vielen Konterchancen. Goria eingewechselt. Hartl und dann Robert Schul. 87. 2-0 die Entscheidung. Yes, and we start our Match Day 17 review in Kopernik, and it was a 2-0 win for Union Berlin over Bochum. Sebastian Polter's penalty on the hour mark, and then Robert Jules with three minutes to go in normal time, putting the game beyond doubt. Uh, Eva, I'll start with you. It was a positive start by Bochum, but they couldn't convert their chances, and it led to another away defeat. Yeah, I, I thought so too that in the first half they pretty much dominated the game uh, and Union was very, very deep in their own half. Um, and then the second half was uh, vice versa and Berlin um, actually managed to, to find the back of the net. Um, yeah, and then uh, I think Bochum is not in their best place right now. Um and then when Jorn is just like, they have a lot of confidence. It's a new record that they have uh, first, their first 17 matches uh, without a loss, uh, but okay, 10 draws. But they are back to, to win some games now. And Bochum wasn't, uh, like, didn't 
take the chances that they had in the first half and then you you lose the game if you don't continue playing. Yeah, it's been a it's been a, a thing about Bochum this season. They get to the top four sides, they've really struggled to to create and convert their chances and, and it and it kinda is the difference between them being in that top four or five teams in the league and, and to where they are, which is just above mid table. Uh Danny, uh Eva alluded to their um, Union 17 games unbeaten the entire half of the season. Uh, what has impressed you with that that run, and and do you think that they can continue their unbeaten run going forward? Um, it's in, it's impressing how they're managing to not lose games where they're really bad. And I think Union is a good side for years now, and they're always good in winning. But what I think is has been certain to them is that at some points they lose and they're bad and they lose games that they shouldn't lose and this year when they play bad they either win I mean like Bochum was the better side against them, Fürth was the better side against them when they won against us for example uh, they were not uh, that much better in the last weeks at some points and they never lost and they sometimes won and that's some really good quality and I don't know if there will be some kind of collapse if they once will lose, but as long as they won't, I think they will, um, even with a lose, be good enough to be up there in the third uh, spot or fourth if St. Paul is keeping up. Yeah, it will be interesting. Um, you know, they 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 travel to our on the weekend and we'll touch the, upon that in our match the 18 preview it has been impressive their 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 resolve and their ability to get back into games and they've shown it on multiple occasions this year that the game is never over until the final whistle we turn our attention to hamburg it was like pauli versus Ferd and it was a 2-0 win for the hosts florian carstens Scoring his first ever goal for the club, the central defender off a set piece on 21 minutes, and then Raya Moyuchi, the former Arsenal man from way back when, he sealed the deal in what was a important win for St. Pauli to keep in touch with Union Berlin and the top two sides. Danny, I'm going to have to ask you first uh, your impressions on the game, and it was another away defeat for Furt. Um, of course, but I think we were much better than the last weeks. And there was this second-minute uh, aluminium strike from from Amaiji, but from then on, we really defended not well, but we defended. And uh, I think at the end, San Paul is just a really good side, That's a side that Ferd can keep up with it at this form. So I think. They were not the better side, but they were really efficient, like scoring in the first corner of the game and then scoring on a counter-attack is like pretty good. And whenever you saw Molodali or Maeji uh, on the sidelines playing some tricks with our defenders, you thought like, okay, they're really good. And I think they will do their way. if it wasn't for so dominant Hamburg and side, they would be automatically promoted. But I think they will have a straight fight for place three until the end. It, it has been probably the one thing that's impressed me about their season, this uh, St. Pauli, is, is their efficiency going forward. And 
and finding you know ways to get points um, from a third point of view that it's it's their fourth game in five where they failed to score and they've given up two plus goals in their last eight. But Schweizer Bundesliga fixtures are either St. Pauli continue that winning trend. Um, what what impressed you about their performance against Ferta? It, it was you know not exactly dominant, but they they did enough to get the three points. Yeah, as you said, they're pretty effective, and um, that's something they can yeah, they can be a bit proud of because especially if you look at last season where they uh, struggled a lot uh, and weren't sure if they uh, could manage to stay in the league. Uh, it's pretty impressive how how they're doing this season. Um, yeah, and I, you have the feeling they're always awake from the first minute on, like. Uh, although uh, you only had that one highlight in the first like 20 minutes uh, and then there were no real idea ideas on both sides but St. Caroli has the confidence at the moment to, to win those games um, and they always uh, have a lot of courage or uh, courageous um, uh, yeah they, they play very courageous and uh, yeah but for fear it's three losses in a row and uh, very like they have I think 0 to 11 goal difference which is very concerning I guess um, because they, they have to go back to find the back of the net yep. and from a team that hasn't had any trouble finding the back of the net, we go to our Monday night fixture between Köln and Magdeburg. It was a 3-0 win for the Billy Goats. Uh, Jean Cordoba opening the scoring on 33 minutes. Dominic Drexler getting the second just after halftime. And, of course, Simon Terroda adding his 21st goal of the season in 16 appearances to make it three points and three goals for Köln. Um, Eva, I'm going to touch on Magdeburg first. They showed plenty of spirit in the performance, and, and as they've shown a lot under Mikel Erning. But once again, they they they've come up really short against you know obviously one of the best teams in the league. But they they just can't seem to get over this hump of getting that first win under Erning. Yeah, and that that's very uh, sad for them because uh, they could have in this game particularly they could have taken the lead. I think in minute ten or so, and then more or less. Uh, the um, one nil work came a bit out of nowhere, although there was a lot of energy from the beginning on on the current side. Um, and I guess there were uh, a couple of boos or whistles when Kern uh, went into the break, which shows a bit from the game. Um, but then the second half, uh, Magdeburg couldn't really, um, yeah keep up with uh, Köln's game um, and then you have people like Drexler, Tirode, Cordoba and then to like a team for Magdeburg that has no confidence at all at the moment um, although they they play very decent then you don't really have a chance Yeah and it has to be said a big shout out to the Magdeburg fans who made the, tri- the journey to Köln it is not exactly a short trip for a Monday night game but they did fantastic support nonetheless um, Danny, Eva alluded to Dominic Drexler. He has eight assists this season. He is proving to be one of the better signings uh, for Köln, and it's proof that playing under Anfang, he is the one of the pivotal pieces. 
Of course. Um, you know, he was at Ferd a few years ago, and you could see a bit of a, a potential and talent, but the way he's doing right now is no one could have seen. And it, he's really impressive, and the way he's creating chances is really good. And I think he's like literally more a key player than most people would think because when you think about Köln, you think about them strikers. But I think without Drexler and maybe Schaub, the side would be only half as good. But without one of those strikers, they would still have a, another striker, you know. This is true. They've got a luxury uh, all over the park, and it is no mistake why they are near the top of the table. We're going to take a quick break, and do join us. We'll have a look at our Group 2 games between Holstein Kiel and Armenia Bielefeld. Es fehlt auch die spielerische Anlage. 81. Minute, Schütz, Börner und wieder Gästeführung. Captain Börner, Chef Salbene hatte den raus. Yes, and we start the Group 2 fixtures with the first of two Friday night games. It was Holstein Kiel hosting Armenia Bielefeld, and it was a success for Armenia in Uwe Neuhaus' first game in charge. They took a 2-1 victory against a very heavily fancied Holstein Kiel side. Fabian Klaus opening the scoring on 34 minutes before Yanni Lucasera on 73, equalizing, though in maybe dubious circumstances, and then Julian Berner with a perfect header to beat Kenneth Kronholm to give Bielefeld all three points. Uh, Eva, jubilation, obviously. Not a game you didn't see live, but a, a very good result nonetheless. Yeah, very, very good, especially. Uh, I was very happy to see Lukoki back uh, in the starting 11. Um, I was a bit surprised that he never really played under Zabina, and you could see that that was uh, one of the best decisions Noyes could have made. Um, he he had a lot of good situations and uh, he was actually, uh, gave the assist to the 1-0, should save the ball. And then Lukoki with the, that very good cross to close his first assist as a professional player. And he, he actually said that he couldn't see it because he was uh, like, hid or something like that um, and yeah Armenia played very very uh, self-confident and very courageously which was a bit surprising maybe but that was like especially to, to show courage that was um, something that Neuhaus wanted uh, and he was barely to be seen and in the Bielefeld half and uh, yeah, again, in the second half, both teams were full of energy, Kiel with chances, but you, you had the feeling that Armenia was a bit better. Uh, and the, what they didn't do, they missed to score for the 2-0, uh, like, the, the like Stauder, Vogelsammer, and close, and then the 1-1, uh, which seemed a bit like, okay, now we're back to typical Armenia in the last weeks. Uh, you... you play very decent but then you you have a mistake that I think Berna did it um, again it was arguable if that goal was a regular one but um, I was yeah quite happy to see that they didn't give give themselves up and then burn after that free kick by Schutz and everybody thought it was a really deserved win and that's really good for Minya and um, 
good way to start into match day 18, I guess. It was a big win for Bielefeld, and if you look at it from a perspective that teams below them drop points, you look at Magdeborg, Sandhausen, Ingolstadt, and Duisburg uh, all failing to win. Uh, it was a massive win in the context of the basement fight. Uh, as for Kiel, Danny, it's a massive loss for them. They're now four points behind fourth spot. How badly they would have wanted to win this game. Of course. Um, although I don't think that the people of Kiel think we must go up. I think they're really impressed in how they're doing this year. Um, after losing players like Drexler. And if they have won, they had really been in a good place. But I think, uh, yeah, in the end, Kiel is... Uh, I think they haven't lost at home before that game in particular. Oh, that's correct. Maybe. Yep. So uh, I think they have a good run and nevertheless they're uh, playing a really good season and yeah, I don't know. Uh, if I was a Kiel fan, I was pretty happy about this season, although I, uh, the loss against Bielefeld and I think Bielefeld was better than they were playing the last week, so it's not a shame t- thing to do to lose against Bielefeld at home. But maybe they should think about themselves getting more offensive for the next game before the winter break to finish the uh, the the year in a good shape so they can really be happy about this year couldn't agree more they have certainly exceeded expectations under tim falter we go to the other friday night fixture it was in duisburg as msvl took on hamburg it was a 2-1 win for the table toppers with all three goals coming in the space of seven minutes khalid narai opening the scoring on 12 minutes before duisburg's garrett nuba getting the goal two minutes later. And then, of course, Aaron Hunt's spectacular free kick on 19 minutes, giving Haasfeld all three points and making it eight games unbeaten under Hannes Wolf. Uh, Danny Hamburg, they haven't been playing pretty football, to say the least, but they continue to find ways to get results. Of course. And if you remember, at the start of the season under Christian Titz, we talked about them trying to play in the pretty football and not getting their results. And uh, now we're talking about them being really efficient. Winning one year a few weeks and winning 2-1 now. It's like a bit there, Schalke, last year. And <laughs> um, yeah, so, but that's not a bad thing because Schalke last year were second of the league and they're now first of the league, so... It's nothing wrong with that, and they're impressing me in how constant they are with their really young team. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, they do have the youngest list, squad list in the Svarta Bundesliga, and the fact they are top speaks volumes to the quality of those players, and they keep finding ways to win, which is very, very impressive, and it will bode well as the season goes on. Uh, Eva Duisburg... Uh, it's fair to say the stigma has very much gone for Torsten Lindkresch and it, it may be safe to say that some pressure may be coming upon him. Yeah, because they're uh, still in the re- relegation struggle and um, they had their chances, um, but yeah, especially in the second half, but if you then, as you both said, has was really like, score orientated um they're doing really okay they they try to avoid uh, mistakes uh in, in their attacks 
they're all very very well structured and then Duisburg um, they I, I thought they started very well under Lieberknecht but now they everything seemed to be gone and yeah it's go- it's going to be tough times I guess the next couple of weeks or the next couple of games yeah it, it is very tight down there and I think um you know, Hamburg have showed how good they are away from home, and I think it was a couple of steps too big for Duisburg. Our last game of the Group 2 fixtures is in Paderborn. They took on Dynamo Dresden, and it was a 3-0 win for the hosts. Ben Zielinski getting the scoring going on 54 minutes before Sven Mikkel on 77, and Philip Clement rounding up the scoring in stoppage time. It, it was Clement's 10th goal of the season, and he's only one of two players to reach double figures, we all know who the other person is. Uh, Eva, we talk about Dresden. You know, the last couple of games haven't been particularly good. They they really just didn't bring it on uh, in Paderborn. They I thought for my money they were quite poor. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, before uh, the game started, it was a duel on equal terms, you could say. I think they had uh, the same amount of points, uh, but uh, Paderborn just started off way better. They dominated the game, had plenty of chances, and uh, Dresden had had chances as well, but they didn't or couldn't manage to find the back of the net. And uh, then you have we have Paderborn. We talked about it plenty of times. They have one of the best um, ovens in the league, and yeah, Dresden. Couple of the last couple of games, they don't really seem to to yeah find the back of the net or play decent football. That's um, a bit surprising, I guess. Yeah, and you do speak about Paderborn's attack, and I think the one thing about them that struck struck me this season is the the balance, the lack thereof balance. Generally, they've had games where they've scored four goals, but given they've also conceded four, or they've had games where They've defended extremely well, but they've um, you know really failed to, to to produce a lot going forward, and uh, and this performance probably typified how well they can, how good they can be if they can get the balance right. Uh, Danny, you know Paderborn got up to seventh. Uh, what what impressed you about their performance, and and what's impressed you about the way they've gone about their business this season? Um, it's impressing me how really how confident they're playing. I mean, like. It has a lot when they're scoring five goals against Köln. And, I mean, like, they've scored uh, 36 goals. That's the second most of the league behind, obviously, Köln. And that's really impressive for a new side of the league going up from third league last year. And that shows Paderborn's quality. And I'm like, I'm up for every team that's playing offensively and for every coach that says, I'd rather take a 4-3 than a 1-0. No. And uh, it's really cool that they're successful with this strategy because in recent years, the trend is going to uh, first defending, then attacking. And Paderborn is pretty uh, impressive and having success with the opposite end. I really like that, and it, it, it's impressing me how they're consistent with that uh, strategy. Yeah, it is always appreciated when a uh, coach or a side bucks the trend, and, and they've done it so well. They did it very la- very well last season in the Drizzt League. I think they scored 90 goals or something. So 
it, it's it's good to watch and and you know that in most of the games that Paderborn play, there are going to be goals one way or the other. Do join us in a moment. We're going to debrief the Group 3 games. We'll start in Auer, as Özgeberger Auer took on Darmstadt. Schalke und Testroth, auch er hat für Schalke gespielt. 2 zu 0, Pistolero a la Labadia. Yes, and the first game from our Group 3 three fixtures comes from the Özgeberger Stadion. Uh, it was a 2-2 draw between Erzgeberger Auer and Darmstadt. The t- opening goals coming from Paco Testrot on 50 and 64 minutes. But a bit of a collapse, so to speak, with just a quarter of an hour to go when Emmanuel Horn got Darmstadt within, within a goal. And then Marvin Melhelm, two minutes later, giving De Lillians a share of the spoils. Eva, I'm going to start with you. Our's attacking prowess has certainly impressed over the past few weeks. Um, what does that attribute to, in your opinion? Yeah, I guess uh, with Testrod, for example, they uh, he seemed to really he uh, arrived in in the team. They he has plenty of goals in the past couple of weeks. Um, and then with uh, Horscheid as well, he's always good for a free kick. Um, yeah, and they really seem to to yeah arrived in in or they they play like a whole team uh, which is missed in some of the other teams this season, um, which is a surprise to see that they had a lot of difficulties to create chances against Darmstadt. Yeah, um, they they've done. They, they did quite well in this game. I think the, the sad thing for them is that they couldn't go on and finish the job. Uh, one player who has caught my eye, and this has nothing to do with him being a Schalke junior, is Florian Kruger. In the four games in, in the four games he's played this season for Aue, he has been involved in at least one goal. He provided the second goal for Paco Testrot, so it says a lot, and perhaps maybe he may make a return to Gelsenkirchen in the near future. False optimism there. Um, Danny, for Darmstadt, this was probably a very important result for them in terms of they went down 2-0, but the fact that they were able to quickly amend their mistakes was was probably uh, a very impressive factor in their performance. Uh, yes, of course. And uh, I'm honest, after the recent weeks, I wouldn't have thought that, they're, uh, that they would have the quality to come back. And it, it really impressed me. Um, so after the recent weeks I sometimes thought about okay they're getting bad and worse and maybe they will have some relegation fears but if they keep the mentality up the individual quality of players like Marvin Milam or if sometimes Sada Dursun is not striking the post and getting a counter goal so, um, but striking all on his own they will see brighter times in the next year I think it will be interesting. Um, we, we have talked on the show quite recently about him, Dirk Schuster being under a little bit of pressure and, and, the, and their inconsistency in, in form has been a real issue, but um, it's certainly a result that they can build upon. We make the journey to Bavaria with Ingolstadt's game against Heidenheim. It was a 1-1. Lord and behold, Dario Lescano scored for the second week running. Maybe it's something Jens Keller is giving him, uh, but... It was all for none once again as Heidenheim were to equalise 14 minutes from time with Dennis Tomala. Uh, Tomala had probably 
four or five great chances and eventually he was able to hit the back of the net. Danny, Ingolstadt's first two games under Jens Keller haven't been terrible by any stretch, but they they seem to not be able to string together 90 minutes. Yeah, of course. And it's uh, a little bit shocking that uh, they're, they were up the last two games and they were pretty good against Heidenheim. And then, to be fair, against Darmstadt, they had a uh, unfair penalty given to Darmstadt. Not that their penalty was fair, but uh, and then against Heidenheim, they really collapsed at some point in a certain in the second half. And I don't know where the problem is, but once for sure, if they uh, want to not go down this year, they really have to keep up with that, and they really have to do some analysis to get the reasons behind that and maybe play a full 90 minutes of good football and if they do so I think they still have individual quality but at this point I'm not quite sure that uh, they will do better next year yeah that, that's kind of the problem with Ingolstadt they've got they've got this individual quality but it seems that they can't gel it together as a team performance yeah. and yeah, it, it, it is. It's a bit baffling that um, they are where they are. I don't think anyone would have had Ingolstadt bottom with one game to go until the winter break, and and that says a lot, really. And 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 it also tells you the task that Jens Keller has ahead of him. Uh, we're going to switch to the Darmstadt, the Heidenheim side of things. Pardon me, uh, Eva. It, it's very rare do we see Mark Schnatterer not playing, but that second half was exactly what you'd want Heidenheim to do when. Mr. Heidenheim himself is not playing. Yeah, definitely. And as you said before, Tomala had like at least two hundred percent chances. Uh, I think in, in shortly after start of the second half, um, and then eventually managed to uh, level. I think Heidenheim could have easily won in the second half, like three one four one, um, but also. Uh, they were not very stable or steady in the first half, especially that uh, one nil uh, result. Yeah, that really big teal mistake after he was out and Skarka came in. They seemed much more steady, and then they could build up to this. If you have a more steady defense, then it's easier to to play better in the offense. Um, yeah, and. For Ingolstadt, they had plenty of chances, especially in the first 15 minutes. And as you both said, it's really surprising. They have Kerschbaumer and all those really good, decent players. But you, <laughs> I yeah, for, for Kerschbaumer, I think it's a really uh, devastating season at the moment. Um, and yeah, I, I still just hope that Tomala won't won't manage to score all those goals he didn't uh, manage to score and he will uh, don't do that on, on uh, Saturday. <laughs> he may leave his shooting boots behind, but we shall see. Our last game to preview, to review uh, from match day 17 came from Sandhausen. They drew tour with Jan Regensburg. Uh, Sargas Ademian opening the scorings in quite interesting fashion from a goal kick. Uh, found his way to the army. The Armenian and he buried it. Andrew Wooten, 
Uh, Equalising on 20 minutes before Philip Forster's brilliant goal just on half time. But as Jan have showcased many a times this season, it is not over until the final whistle as Adam Jan added his eighth of the season to give Regensburg a share of the spoils. Eva, this Jan side just continues to find ways to, to get points in unlikely situations. And once again, they have done that. Yeah, uh, although they were uh, surprisingly passive this game, I, I would say, especially in the first half. Um, and uh, yeah, they actually managed to level with the first real chance uh, in the second half. Um, but that's a quality you you can cheer as well. I think um, this is something you... you they, they keep managed to, to um, score and create chances and even if they're not plenty uh, and then you have Zanthausen with that optical advantages um, but there were plenty of turnovers on both sides and yeah it's they're not really good times for Zanthausen at the moment I would say um, they they always seem to be more structured, but then they have moments where they don't really seem to to be awake. And yeah, that they need wins to to come out of the relegation struggle. That they do, Danny. Just on Sandhausen, it was probably one of their better performances this season. Is there much hope for Uwe Koshinat to 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 build upon such performance and maybe? get a result, although you, I'm sure you're hoping that they don't. Uh, honestly, yes, I think so. Um, I think they've really done better this the last few ye- uh, weeks and uh, they pre- they really impressed me a bit against Regensburg because normally when, they, when Jan is up front then they're pretty good but Sandhausen kept it up put on pressure and uh, really, it's a quality to go two one up after being down when you're in the uh, bottom of the league. And then, yeah, this one last second goal is really devastating for them. But I think I'm confident in, in the quality of Kozinat and Sandhausen. And I think after uh, loss this uh, to finish this year, they will do better next year. Yep, and they do have a big game coming up, but we'll get to that preview in just a moment. We're going to take a quick intermission. Uh, do join us. Our first game is Holstein Kiel and Hamburger SVL. Yes, and we start our Match Day 18 preview in Kiel as they take on the table toppers HS Val when the two teams met on the opening night of the Schweizer Bundesliga. To everyone's surprise, it was a 3-0 win for Holstein Kiel. Danny, this is obviously a revenge game for Hamburg. Uh, they go in as favourites. Uh, do you expect them to take the three points here? Um, I do, but I think it's... Not gonna be easy for them, and um, 
if someone is telling me Keith is doing a surprise there, I would say, yeah, possibly. Because Keith is doing pretty good. And I think they were hoping to bounce back from that uh, loss against Armenia. And like I said, finish the season in a good fashion. And what would be a, another season that year? What would be a better fashion than winning against league leaders, highest power, and winning the double in the league over them, over the northern rivals? I think that's. That's the best way you could end this year. And I think they will be really motivated. And they will be fighting from uh, from the start on. And I think it's going to be a pretty close game, to be honest. But in the end, I, I, I fear and I think that Hamburg will be 1-0 up and uh, finish this game in defending... Yeah, it will be interesting. And of course, those bragging rights are there are certainly a few teams in the north of Germany that would be more than happy to see Hartsfeld drop those points. Uh, Eva, this is probably one that, you know, Kiel could could, sna- could steal. Um, what do you think they need to do to break down this very stubborn Hartsfeld defence? Yeah, so first of all, they have to play much more uh, offensive than they played against Armenia. But of course, this is a completely different game, uh, so I'm sure they will. Um, probably Schindler must be a bit more more to be seen. Um, and then, as Danny said, I'm sure it's going to be a very close game. Um, but... I don't see Kiel winning either because, yeah, Hasfo is too much, too efficient to, to lose that. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think Hasfo go in as favourites yeah. and, and it will probably end up being a 1 or 2 nil result for them. Uh, we go to the team that's in second place. They play on a Friday night as FT Köln. Welcome, Val Eiffel Borkum. We know Johnny Walsh will be there, and it'll be interesting to see what happens if Borkham score, being that he's in the Köln press box. Um, the last time the two sides met, it was a 2-0 win for Köln, and funnily enough, it was the only time that Simon Terodde did not play. Uh, Eva, I'm going to start with you. Uh, the obvious uh, question is who who is going to stop Simon Terodde and how they're going to do so. If you were Robin Dutt, what would you do? Yeah, um, probably like put three players on him, but in um, the end, Cone, that's the thing about Cone. You don't eat. You not only have Terodde, but you have Drexler as well. You have Louis Schaub, and that's the thing that that is Cone this season. They managed to score without Terodde as well, and that's why uh, I don't see any real chances for Bochum to. Yeah, to even get out with one point out of this game. Yeah, they, they do have that excellent offensive power. They have 45 goals this season in the league. That is obviously top of the pile. Uh, Danny, you know, in quality, Köln have the edge in in home form. They've been fantastic. They've In the last few games, they think they get a clean sheet in their last two or three. Um, it should be business as usual, don't you agree? Yes, I for call absolutely and I think the only chance that Bochum has is having no chance and going like they can play so they can attack but in the end I think Köln will be finishing the season with a sixth game winning streak and uh, I think Johnny will be an absolutely cheer for years now 
indeed. But I think if Simon Serrata scores, then I think that'll be the perfect Christmas present for him. Our last game is an old-fashioned East German derby as Erzgebirge Auer welcome Union Berlin. When the two teams met last in Köpenick, it took a Felix Cross wunder free kick to give the Eisenen all three points. Uh, Danny, this is a very much a danger game for Union. They've only won once away from home. Can they make it two? Um, not quite sure. I mean, like, Auer has really impressed me in the last weeks. Um, obviously, in this particular game, that hasn't happened. And then, although they conceded them twice against Darmstadt, they played pretty good, and they defend pretty good. So I think they have a real chance against Union. And if Union is having, making those errors they did against Bochum for the first, I think, 45 minutes and letting our play, then we could see an upset there. And I think this is the, the, the game of this match day where I think uh, I would put my money rather on our than on Union. Yeah, it is one of those games where, you know, despite... If you don't look at the table and the stats, you may even think that Auer have a really good chance to win this game. And uh, either we've seen them improve offensively. It was one thing that we, we identified as a, as a real weakness of their side. Um, what has impressed you with them going forward and, and, and what is the best mode of attack for them to break down this uh, Union Berlin defence? Yeah, I, I guess what we saw that they're um, pretty efficient. Um, if it was the game against Darmstadt or that game that never happened uh, against Schürz, um, <laughs> they they have a lot of different players that manage to find the back of the net, and that's maybe something that should concern on Jorn, so they can't really focus on one player. Of course, you have Testhold, but uh, you have Hochscheid as well, and uh, it's going to be very tough to, yeah, really control the whole our team. Um, as Danny said, I think it's going to be very close, very interesting match, uh, and I can see our win as well. Yeah, it, it is going to be a fantastic game. They are almost expecting capacity at the Erzgebirge Stadion, which is fantastic for a game of this magnitude and bragging rights. We're going to take a quick breather. Do join us for our Group 2 games. We start in Hamburg as St. Pauli hosts Magdeburg. For the expert by St. Pauli, for Marvin Knoll. And Knoll knallt him tatsächlich rein. Ein überragender Freistoß. Den hängt Marvin Knoll in den Winkel. Yes, and we head to the Milan Tour for that game between St. Pauli and Magdeburg. St. Pauli, of course, sitting in fourth. Equal on points with Union Berlin, whilst Magdeburg dropped down to 17th with that result on match day 17. The last time the two teams met on the opener, it was St. Pauli who came from a goal behind to take the win through that Marvin Knoll free kick. Jim, uh, Danny, I'm going to start with you. Uh, you know, Magdeburg have impressed in their performances under Michel Erning, but they've failed to come away with a victory as such. Do they have the potential to maybe cause an upset here? Um, I would say no, because we talked about uh, St. Pauli's efficiency. And uh, I think even more than Jorn, they're really good in winning uh, games They don't uh, where they're not clearly better right now. 
and Magdeburg is not really good at winning games where they are better. So I think that matches up and I think it will be a close game because Magdeburg is not bad as a side. They really are good. They can even score goals if you think of Lokepa, who has some really brilliant individual quality. But I think in the end, uh, San Pauli will find a way to score one or two goals anyhow and then they will finish the season with a uh, home victory. Uh, Eva, do you tend to agree? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you talked about efficiency and all that. And yeah, it's a game which can be decided by who is more self-confident, who is more efficient. And that's definitely San Pauli. And yeah, I don't see Magdeburg coming out of of that relegation struggle out of the 17th place uh, this match day. Yeah, I'll make it three from three. I think St. Pauli just have that individual quality. They've got the confidence and, and uh, yeah, I think uh, one player we, I want to highlight as a real impact maker will be Hank Fairman. He's been probably one of the more underrated signings this season from Marcus Kalczynski. He's the club's leading goal scorer with six and he also has been involved in five goals with assists. So that has been a very good return for the big, tall Dutchman. We then make the journey to Bielefeld as Armenia take on Heidenheim. On match day one, when these two teams met, it was a 1-1 draw with uh, Joan Simon Edmondson getting his first goal for the club. We cannot forget to plug him, but of course he won't be playing in this game as he's out till the rest of the season through injury. Such a shame that is. Uh, Eva, you know, Bielefeld coming off that very impressive win against Holstein Kiel. Uh, what is the key for them to nullify Heidenheim going forward? Uh, definitely not to think this is going to be a self-runner, so everything is going to be fine, and uh, we won again, and everything is going to be easy. Um, Heidenheim had their chances, as we um, talked about earlier. Um, so I think both sides are going to concentrate on using the chances they had in the past, uh, in the last match. Um, and I, I think it's re really going to be a very, very tough game on both sides, but an, a really interesting one as well. Um, more interesting than it would have been like a couple of weeks ago. Um, but I don't really want to say or decide on a winner. Um, I don't want to end it in a draw, but I guess it's going to be one. Uh, Danny, do you tend to agree that it might end all shared? Or do you think Heidenheim will, uh, will be able to exude themselves from that second half performance, which was a lot better than the first half, and carry on and take all three points here? Um, it's going to be interesting. But first of all, you had to give me that step in the heart with... Uh, it wants something out, haven't you? But um, I think it's going to be tough for Heidenheim because Armenia is a good side, after all. They showed it in the season. And now maybe they've gained some confidence back. And I think um, Heidenheim were good in second half, but Heidenheim had some not that good performances over the last few weeks so if I had to pick a winner I'd to be honest go with Bielefeld Very interesting I think um, I'm probably going line born thinking a draw here if I was Heidenheim I would consider playing the two 
out-and-out strikers in, in, in Patrick Schmidt and Dennis Tomala. They certainly were better when Schmidt came on. He really brought a good energy and intensity and maybe have Dovedan playing in a in a true number 10 role, but we shall wait and see. Our last game comes from Bavaria. It is a Bavarian derby between Ingolstadt and Jan Regensburg. Of course, when the two sides met on match day one, it was a 2-1 win for Regensburg. But... In this fixture, it is going to be a lot tougher for Jan as they will be without Marco Grudner and potentially Sargis Adam Jan, who are both out with suspension. So, Danny, is this a chance that Ingolstadt can pounce and take the win here? Of course. Um, I think Jan has not played that good over the last weeks, especially in Sandhausen, where they were really, really lucky to grab a point. But on the other hand, they showed that you can never ever say, okay, we've beaten them now before the game is over. So, even though it's not the top game like Kiel Hamburg, it's a quite interesting game because I expect Ingolstadt to start up good again. Maybe to even go up front. And if Ingolstadt will go up front, it will be really interesting to see how both sets of teams react, uh, thinking about how they reacted in the past with Ingolstadt collapsing in the last weeks and how. Uh, Regensburg having the confidence to say, okay, that's not uh, that similar to us. We can still turn it around. And if that happens, that will be a really fun game to watch, I think. Yeah, it will be interesting, obviously. The bragging rights on display and, and Regensburg will want to go for the sweep here. Um, Eva, as I mentioned, uh, Adam Jan and Grutner set to miss through suspension. Uh, they've contributed 16 of the 29 league goals this season. Uh how do you think they will cope without those two leading the line? Yeah, it's going to be very, very tough, especially seeing that uh, Adamian scored both goals, goals for Jan. Um, yeah, but the problem is that English, that, um, as we talked about, although they they can take the lead, but always they seem to, to break down in the last 15 minutes or so, and that's something you should really not do uh, against things book because um yeah they use their chances they have they're very uh more or less very efficient when it comes to that so um i i guess uh english has a bit more chances with adamian and Gutna out but it's still they have to be very very careful especially in the last 15 minutes yeah, it will be interesting. You know, Jan are dangerous, as you said, in that last 15 minutes, and they do find ways to get points, so Ingolstadt will need to put a complete performance together. Do join us in a second, as we will preview the last three games of the calendar year. We start in Duisburg, as they take on Dresden. Yes, and our... First Group 3 game comes from Duisburg. They host Dynamo Dresden when the two teams met on that Monday night fixture. Uh, Lucas Roeser's goal in the first half was enough to give Dynamo the three points. A lot has changed since then. Both teams have changed managers. Ilya Gruev is out and Torsten Lieberknecht is in. And of course, Uwe Neuhaus was out and Mike Valporkis is in. Danny, I'm going to start with you. Um, Duisburg coming in in pretty ordinary form. It's probably not the best time to play Dresden. Uh, what, what do you think their chances are of getting a result here? Oh, I'm not quite sure because, yes, of course, uh, Duisburg is not in a great form for the whole season. But 
uh, on the other hand, Dresden is not in a good form either. I think the last win was against Ingolstadt, and they only had about two wins since September, uh, October, and they've lost two in a row now without scoring. And I think it's going to be a tough game for both sets of teams because obviously both want to finish off the year. Uh, I've mentioned that on a few teams, but uh, nobody wants to lose in the end of the year and then go to winter break five weeks and thinking about, oh, fuck, we lost again. And so I think it's going to be an interesting game, but in the end, I think uh, Dynamo will win because Duisburg is shockingly bad at home. Yeah, I tend to agree. They have a, an atrocious goal-scoring record at home, and uh, Dinamo have games where they can really turn on the the style going forward. But they're obviously not as efficient as other teams uh, in the league. Uh, Eva, do do you agree in that that Dresden will take the three points here? Yeah, I'm not really sure. Um, it's going to be, uh, as you said before, tough games. Uh, tough. Yeah, tough game on both sides. Um, yeah, but yeah, Duisburg is is really bad at home at the moment or this season in general. Um, but both teams do not go into this game with a lot of self confidence. Um, but I think I would go and say that Dresden is the one to take the three points as well in the end. Yeah, I tend to agree. That's a perfect three for three for Dinamo from teams without much confidence to a team that does have plenty of it. Uh, we look at Paderborn. They take on Darmstadt at the Benzler Arena, where the two teams met. On match day one, it was Darmstadt who took a 1-0 win at the Bellenfeld Tour. Uh, Eva, um, I'm going with the opposite result, that Paderborn will take the three points. Do you, do you agree? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Paderborn uh, probably wants to continue to win at home now. I think the uh, win against Dresden was their first win at home since September. Um, and they're, yeah, we they have a really, really good offense. And uh, I don't see Darmstadt getting any points out of this game. Um, so, yeah, definitely Paderborn takes the three points. Danny, do you agree with that? Absolutely. Uh, nothing more to say. I think that's a, for me, it's a pretty easy call for Paderborn getting, getting a home victory there. Yep. Easy as pie with that one. And our last match day 18 preview and our last preview for 2018 leads us to Sandhausen. They host Danny's Greuther Fertz. And of course, Fertz have been in very, very struggling form of late they've only scored three times in their last five games danny is this the game it all turns around obviously the uh i think it has to be <laughs> but i think uh yeah Sethausen is not doing well and not having the great striking quality so i think maybe in this game ford will not have that much uh, defensive problems as they had against like Union or Köln or San Pauli or even Aue especially Aue and so I think this might be the game to turn it around although Sethausen were really strong I mentioned it before but gotta show some uh, 
confidence in my team and we're gonna win it away and gonna have a happy Christmas. We love to see that, Danny. Uh, Eva, do you agree that uh, Danny's third are gonna have a merry, merry Christmas, or do you think Sandhausen will turn it into a black and white parade? Well, it's not that easy to answer, I would say. Uh, <laughs> I'm very sorry, but uh, Sandhausen played very decent against Regensburg, and they probably want to um, want to start to get more points. Uh, they won out of those games, um, so not the easiest opponent uh, for food at, at the moment. Um, yeah, but I'm not sure if one team is going to win. Uh, at least I hope that food will manage to find the back of the net for for the first time uh, in in a couple of weeks now. Um, if they do, I guess they have a fair chance of winning. Yeah, I'm probably line fencing it and uh, tipping the draw but I think for a really vulnerable uh, Mario Malaka is going to miss due to suspension and that might test Furt's defence out even more that is the end of our previews for 2018 we are going to go to our fan questions and we just have the one from the one and only Steel Penguin at Steel Penguin 3 if you want to follow him on Twitter he says, hello, everybody. Keep up the great work with the podcast. We will. And thank you. He asks, what are your predictions for the second half of the season in Zweite Bundesliga? Um, I guess I'll ask who goes up, who finishes third, and the two teams that will go down. Uh, Eva, I'll start with you. Yeah, I would definitely say that um, there is no big change in the first two places. I... I think it's safe to say that Köln and Hamburg will go up. Um, the third place is for me quite hard to decide, but I will go and say Zan Pauli because I think it would be very deserved. Um, yeah, uh, and then who who finished last? I don't see Ingolstadt coming out of there as well as Magdeburg. Um, again, that that third relegation spot is. Is tougher for me. Um, maybe Zandhausen, although they're a bit better. Probably Duisburg if they continue to be um, as bad as they are at home at the moment. Um, but I think it's going to be um, quite interesting starting to to the second half of the season, and especially how uh, for me personally with with Uwe Neuhaus, uh, how how he's going to. Yeah, form the team with more time on the clock now. Yeah, but it's going to be quite interesting. I think some teams who are um, on the upper half of the table are going to are not going to be able to put that good work up. But yeah, we're going to see how this going to end. Danny, what what are you, what are your predictions? I think, uh, obviously, just like Eva said, uh, the first two spots are clearly the question is who's first, who's second. And the third spot, I think, like, um, uh, we'll see a two-horse race of Union and St. Pauli, but if they somehow will struggle, it could be a really fun uh, third-place chasing sign with Holstein Kiel and uh, the surprising shots of Heidenheim and Paderborn being in the role with only four points behind it. And yeah, but speaking realistically, I think Union or Sampoli will do it, but 
I can't say who. Um, because this league, you, everybody knows this league is unpredictable sometimes. Very and speaking of speaking about unpredictable things, the relegation chase will be really interesting if one of those four teams that have uh, less than 13, uh, 14 points now will manage to climb up a bit of the table or even more of them. If more of them will uh, manage it, it will, could be a really interesting relegation fight. But if not, I uh, think of those four, I think Ingolstadt, Magdeburg and Duisburg will go down. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and for my three, uh, the top the top two will stay the same. Um, I think Köln will end up winning the league ahead of Hamburg. Uh, the third place spot I will give to St. Pauli. I think they might just be able to edge out Union and in the basement I'm going to say Ingolstadt and Duisburg are going to go straight down and then Sandhausen will play in that relegation playoff spot so it says a lot because I had Duisburg finishing third this season so it shows you the unpredictability of this league we thank you for joining us once again uh, we will be doing another podcast before the end of the, the calendar year We want to wish you a Merry Christmas and, of course, a happy and safe holidays. And until next time, I thank Eva and Danny for joining us.